What is up, all of you Just Browsing listeners, and welcome to a week five college football and week four NFL football episode, aka it's just going to be a football episode, let's be real. We're just going to be talking about the NFL season so far, as well as the college season, and you know, it's a football Saturday, so uh, you know, we're watching the Alabama-Arkansas game, and you know, go Razorbacks, although roll tide. <laughs> Yeah, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Just Browsing. Um, yeah, we're, we are recording this on Saturday, October 1st. So if you're listening to this um, in the future, um, go look at the scores from today's games. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a college football Saturday. We're obviously you know big college football fans and NFL fans, so we decided we'd do kind of an all-around football discussion episode today. No special guest. Um, we'll, we'll continue to have... Um, special guests on this podcast similar to last week's episode about World War II in the future. But um, this week's back to just the regular old hosts. You're, you're stuck with myself and with Matt again today. But, yeah, we're, um, we're right now we're watching Alabama versus Arkansas. And then I think you said, what was it, Wake Forest and we Florida State going on too. Florida State as well going. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start off this discussion <clears throat> by saying, and let me – I'm going to pull this up Go as I'm talking. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm I'm happy that Bama is finally playing someone who's worth a shit. And I want to like preface this whole thing by saying, I- am I just crazy or does it seem like every single year Bama plays like four or five games against teams that have no business being on the field with Bama and they just fucking steamroll so them? That's the reality with a lot of these big Division One programs. You have your budget, right, for the school. And then I think it was week – Two or week week three, two weeks ago, Appalachian State was paid like one and a half million by Texas A and M to go in there and beat Texas A and M. Excuse me. The same day, um, oh, I just drew a blank. I Marshall, there was another big Marshall upset. went into Notre Dame, and they were paid like one point two five million to go there, and they beat Notre Dame. Yeah, and so. It's for the smaller schools that go in there to make money. So it's just like, like I'm sure New Mexico State got paid when they played um, like Texas or an LSU, right? Yeah. They and they've actually get, played Bama in the last couple of years, right? So, so they're getting paid to go travel to that school so that they can help fund their program better, right? You know, for the future years. So it's like, it's it's a win win in a way that you know, an Alabama can be up forty nine nothing at the end of the first quarter, but the other school is making one point two five million, which is gonna go a long way in helping with scholarships and well, facilities and <clears throat> and I get I get that concept. Like I, I understand that. And especially with a school like New Mexico State, if they're going to play in L S U or in Alabama, like I, I get that. But it just feels to me like Bama comes into every single season basically as the unanimous number one overall team in the country. And then they play a bunch of teams that are just not very good and especially like not even SEC teams to start their season. And they're just like all of the scores are like 49 nothing, 62 to nothing. Well, like look at this. They start off this year playing Utah State and win 55 to zero. Week two, Texas actually gives them a very, very, te- very close game. game. Should have won that game. Alabama wins 20 to 19. So that's a really close game. Texas is kind of, you know after struggling as a program the last few years is, you know, making a, a push to be back in kind of the national spotlight. Ooh, there's a big pick. Um, and then they follow that up with a, a game in week three against you. you oh my God. Louisiana University Monroe. of Louisiana Monroe. I could not say that 63 to seven is the final in that one. And then they play Vanderbilt week four and win 55 to three. It's well, like, but Vanderbilt's SEC, like that's an SEC opponent. I mean, yeah, they are like an SEC opponent. It's like, it's like, I don't know, dude. It's just 
you know, as a college football fan, I want to see Bama. If Bama is the best team in the nation, I want to see Bama playing teams that are at least somewhat in the same class as them. Well, you know what I mean? And I understand with the scheduling and all that, and if they're playing teams within their conference that are not very good, then that's it is what it is. But it's like, you know, they have out of their first four games – one of them was close, and they blew out the other three teams well, by like a score of fifty-five to nothing or whatever. I would say it's just boring to watch. Like no one wants to tune in and watch Bama, like Bryce Young, score five touchdowns and throw for five hundred yards against some team that's like not very good. I don't know. It's just not very quality. Well, I will football say, to me, get used to it because with the whole college football playoff, right? It, it became about strength of schedule to bump you into the top four. Like, that, that's what some of these teams were thinking about. So, you know, a Clemson in a weaker ACC was like, we got to go play Georgia last year, right, to start the right. season. That's a massive game. I think it was number one versus number three. Yeah. And it's like, that's a huge game to start the season. It was like 10-3 or something like that was the final. And you're like, okay, both these teams are legit. Yeah. But it's because you have to think, okay, we have to be one of the top four teams in the country, mm-hmm. which means we have to play these bigger schools. Right. If if our conference is weak, if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten, it's more or less you're guaranteed the winner of that conference was guaranteed a top four spot. Yeah. So it's like some of those teams are like, we're not going to risk losing early on to, you know, like a Big Ten team might not be like, we're not going to go voluntarily play Clemson or, you know, an SEC first, like, team in games. the first three games, even though that's what the fans like. It would be great matchup. Yeah. Because they want to make it to the end. And so it's like the scheduling became like, it, it you know, there's a strategy to it of, you know, it's kind of like preseason two for some of them. Like a lot of them will start with these, like an FCS school right away. Um, but now I think with the college football playoff expanding, you're going to see more of those kind of games because teams are going to be less likely to, like I said, right. play at Clemson. And, and Clemson's going to be less likely to want to play anybody else because they're going, we have to be in the top. What if they say they're going to move it to 12? Or is it um, eight? I can't remember. I think it's eight. I think so. But I whatever. Have to look that if up. they they're, they're double the size at least, so yeah. it's now you're sitting there going, okay, you're probably going to get the Pac-12 winner, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve. All of those champions are probably going in, and then it's going to be, you know, the 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 top teams after that. So you're going to get teams that are going. If we can start a season four and zero before conference play. You know, it's a confidence builder, and then we're set up if we can stay healthy to, to yeah. go into conference play. So I think we're going to see more teams taking it a little bit easier because the, the path to the playoff is going to be – when I say easier, I mean you don't have to be a top-four team. You have a little bit more wiggle room yeah. as far as the rankings go. So I don't think we're going to stop seeing – we might see more, but then again we might see – you know, it might just stay the same because of, yeah. of scheduling and, and well, contractual mm-hmm. obligations. And I get all that. That that all makes sense. It's just I don't know if anyone else shares my frustration of every Saturday just oh, look, I do. looking at the college football scoreboard and, and seeing all these like close, exciting games between evenly matched teams and then it's like, Oh look, Bama won fifty five to zero again. How exciting. What a fun game to watch on CBS on a one thirty on a Saturday the, afternoon. The, the first thing they, I look at they do have, I will say, they play so they're playing Arkansas today, who's a top twenty five ranked team. And so it's first quarter right now as we're watching. Hopefully Arkansas gives them a good game. They play Texas A&M next week, who's a top 25 team. They play Tennessee the week after, who's a top 25 team. So, like, the next three weeks, including today, are against teams that should give them at least a, a relatively right. now close they're, Now game. they're in the SEC yeah. gauntlet. Yeah, and then they play Mississippi State, who's unranked. They play LSU, who's unranked. 
They play Ole Miss, the third to last game. They're currently ranked in the top 25. And they just beat undefeated and they just, Kentucky. And Ole Miss just beat Kentucky today. And then they play Austin P. so that'll be 62 to nothing. And then they play Auburn, who's also unranked to finish right. the season. And, I mean, usually Auburn plays them pretty close, but Auburn hasn't been – they you know, haven't been the Camden They haven't been Auburn. the Auburn that we're used to for the last few seasons. So, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I, I obviously, Bama's just one of those teams, like if you're a college football fan, you kind of just have to accept the beginning of the year. Well, Bama's going to come into the year ranked as the number one overall team. They might get overtaken by Georgia in the rankings at some point, which is kind of the case right now. But you can guarantee that you're going to see them in the college football playoff at the end of the year. And half their games are going to be complete and utter blowouts by like four right. or five touchdowns. The, the only way Bama doesn't what make it, is, it every year. is if they lose in the SEC. But yeah. but then again, yeah. that's why I was you know saying they look at it as we need to kind of build ourselves up to SEC play. Because you go into that SEC gauntlet, you play three ranked teams in a row, and it's college football. On any given day, one team could pop off. Right. You lose, you know, Bryce Young goes out. I don't know who their backup QB is. But if Bryce Young goes out, what does that change? Does yeah. that completely so, change the whole complexion of the team? Here's here's something I wanted to ask you about right before we started recording, but I figured I'd save it for the podcast. So obviously, last year, Bryce Young wins the Heisman, has this incredible season. This year, he's off to a tear again. He looks like this you know, all-world Heisman-level quarterback who's just going to go out there and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns or even more every game. Do you think it's a little bit hard for me to judge how much that's going to translate to the NFL eventually versus how much he's just a – I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a good, even great quarterback. But, like, how much of it is him just fitting into this unstoppable machine that is Bama? And he has a world-class offensive line and world-class wide receivers and all this kind of stuff, and he just looks like this all-star – because it's kind of effortless for him to look like an all-star versus how much is he actually like a transcendent-level quarterback? Like, how well, much of that is going to actually translate to the NFL, do you think? So I'm not an NFL scout. but It's I, hard to tell. I, I do love to, to look at this stuff. I don't think you can base a lot of that stuff off of rookie years. You need to look at second and third years, in my opinion, because for some of these rookie QBs, he'll probably be a top-five pick, I'm assuming, if he stays healthy and decides to be drafted. Whoever drafts him... Is probably looking at, you know, he's the franchise QB, right? He's yeah. going to come in and he's going to be the franchise guy. Kind of like a Tua. Right, but yeah. then again, Tua struggled. He yeah. was really bad. But then you look at Josh Allen, really bad. The dude threw like five interceptions per touchdown. Like Peyton Manning, same way. The dude didn't win any games on the road, threw a lot of interceptions and everything. It's hard to judge based off of a rookie year because – they're going from college to professional. It's a big where, jump. You know, yeah, you might play at Alabama, and, and they might be able to compete against a professional team to a level, but at the same time, professional or college to professional, that jump is huge because yeah. you're going from, you know, hey, you're the best in the SEC where there's 132 FBS or 128 FBS schools to now there's 32 teams. That left guard is one of 32 of the best left guards in yeah, the world. in the entire world. There's only 32 mm. of those starters, and he is one of the best. So yeah. you're going from playing, nah, he's the 78th ranked defensive lineman to, okay, now I'm playing against Aaron Donald, who's one of the best defenders in the world. Yeah. How, you know, like it's. And it's one of those things where, especially we've seen the last couple of years with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, and obviously they go all the way to the Super Bowl <laughs> last year. He, he's 
a, I would say a good to even trending to be a great NFL yeah, quarterback he, he at will some be a point. Great quarterback. But I think a lot of it, in especially in the pros, you know, like Joe Burrow is a guy or Bryce Young is a guy who's going to play behind in college like a world-class offensive line, right, that has right. amazing protection for him. He can sit back there all day long, pick apart the defense, make good throws, take his time making throws. And then you get a poor guy like Joe Burrow who goes to Cincinnati and he snaps the ball and he's just running for his life immediately, every single play. So that really affects how effective a guy like that's going to be. And that's why I think when I watch a guy like Bryce Young at Bama, and we're watching this game right now, and like obviously he's getting pressure on this play, and I've seen him get he's, – he's thrown a pick already today in this first quarter. But like most of the time he snaps the ball and he's got all the time in the world back there to sit behind this O-line and he just picks apart the defense – and then by the end of the day, you look, and he's got 500 yards passing and four or five touchdowns. And it's well, like, yeah, he looks like the world's most amazing quarterback at Bama, but that's just because Bama has, like, the best players in the country at every position, basically. Like, right. When he goes into the pros, his O-line might be a bunch of rookies or a bunch of guys who have not played together because a lot of them were hurt. And he might just be, like, every time he snaps the ball, he's just running for his life. Like, he's not – he might not look as good as he does now. So it's just hard for me to tell how that's going to translate. And I think with Bama, you know, we've talked about this in the past. They're known as like a running back NFL factory, right? They just churn out NFL running backs. And I think running backs are a little bit easier to tell. Like a guy like uh, the Tennessee Titans running, uh, Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Der- I was spacing on his name for a second. Derrick Henry's a guy that, like, you see him in college, and you're like, that guy will translate well to the pros. You can just tell. Like, his body, his physicality, just, his speed, his agility, they're, all they're that. You're like, hard to compare, though. But, and then you look at, but, like, quarterbacks, usually Bama's quarterback is pretty damn good in college, and then the guy will get drafted in the pros, and you never really hear about him again. You know what I mean? Like, well, most of them. But again, so. It's gotta, just so hard to You got to look to is you're a product of your environment. And I'll use I'll use multiple examples with this, especially being in like uh, the sports card collecting industry and everything. You follow these these players because that's where the value goes, right? So you I start to look at more right the 2020 QB class, you had Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Those were the two people everyone's like raving about, right? But then you have Tua. He struggled until last year he started to find his footing. And we'll talk about Tua later. I was going to say, we should definitely get to him because I want to talk about that. You get to Tua this year. The dude's been playing lights out, MVP caliber. Who else was a 2020 QB draft pick that no one talked about? Jalen Hurts. Mm. Dude's playing at an MVP level. He's in his third year, and he started to play better last year. But now you're really seeing him produce. Why? He's got A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams. They have a pretty good backfield. Their offensive line improved tremendously. It's, you could argue it's one of the best in the NFL. they got a great defense. He's a product of his environment. Mm. Then you look at Justin Fields. Dude went last year. Bears suck. They don't have good running backs. They don't have a good O-line. They don't have any weapons for him to throw the ball to. Move to this year. Same exact thing. They might have a few good players, <clears throat> but you don't have you know a Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, um, a Hayden Hurst, you know, Tyler Boyd to throw the ball to. You don't have a Joe Mixon to run. Or just, yeah, geez, like thinking like six sentences ahead right now. <laughs> but I'm like, you don't have tools around you. Same with Trevor Lawrence. He struggled last year. Yeah, He didn't have much around him. It seemed like the system he was in wasn't very beneficial to his skill set. Look at him this year with Doug Peterson, who people call like a QB whisperer. Trevor Lawrence is playing great. They're 2-1. and one. You know, they're winning games. They just smoked the Chargers in L.A. 
Like, which is pretty surprising. He's got good receivers <laughs> around him. He's got good running backs. Like, it's you're a product of your environment. Wherever you go, I I don't judge rookie QBs based on first year because look at Mac Jones. He went to the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. but he's in New England. They're not a super high scoring team. They never really have been. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't have very good weapons, but they know how to win football games there. So it makes him look like, hey, I'm better than everybody. I was the only rookie that went to the playoffs. But in reality, it's like you just went to a better system. You went to a yeah, more yeah. fulfilled roster than you know the number one overall pick because they were the, num- the yeah. worst team in the NFL. Well, yeah, that's, that's another thing to keep in mind here too is like the number one overall pick usually goes from one of, if not the best college team in the nation to like the worst NFL team. Right. So you're coming into a situation in a, in a like system that is bottom of the barrel of the NFL. So you could, you could be the greatest quarterback in the world and still struggle mightily if you're coming into a system that's just terrible well, I mean, and it's a losing culture and all that even stuff. Even look at like Russell Wilson right now since we're Broncos fans. He, he goes from a – you know, I would say Seattle was a run-heavy offense, and then they allowed Russell Wilson to do some play-action passes and use his legs by getting outside of the pocket. And that's when he we saw him make his best plays. Mm-hmm. Now we see him more trying to stay in the pocket, and we saw a glimpse of you know the Seattle Super Bowl team when Wilson would use his legs and make plays when we beat the 49ers, and when we'll talk about that, and probably the ugliest Sunday night football game in history. Oh, my God. But he used his legs on our game-winning drive. You know, he was getting out of the pocket. He was running for the first down. You don't have to take those unnecessary hits, right? Kind of like Joe Burrow in his rookie year was just getting lit up because Mm -hmm. he wasn't sliding or getting out of bounds. It's like, you know, you're in a new system. You're in a new environment. You have to learn. Even if you're, you know, a 10-year veteran, you still have to learn new stuff. And it's just like you go from college, though, to the NFL – that jump is even bigger from, you know, you're, if you're a 10-year veteran and you're going to a different team and a different system, it's a learning curve for everybody involved. Yeah. But you go from college to the NFL, whole different world. Yeah. Like, you're, you're learning new schedules, new schemes. The you speed know, of the game the, is the so wording, much faster. You know, everything is different. So you're like, I don't judge a rookie based on their first year and more than likely not really their second year either. I look at year three as like, this is your make or break year. Like, yeah. if you can perform and you can compete, I think you have got you've got a good year. You do have some, you know, Justin Herbert. We were lucky that that doctor stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the lung with that injection. <laughs> and Joe Burrow, we knew he was going to start right away. Yeah, but it's yeah. like you see those two progressed immediately. You saw that they mm-hmm. okay, those guys are they're going to be elite quarterbacks. Yeah. But then, like I said, Tua and Jalen Hurts took a little bit longer. But now right. you see them making they're, they're plays. They're kind of coming into their own again bit, yeah. because they're a product of their environment. You. You just gave Tyreek Hill to Tua. He has Gusecki. He has Jalen Waddle. Like, can we, while you're bringing that up, can we touch on the Tua news recently? So yeah, well, so I was reading before we started this that they NFLPA fired yeah. the um, the the neurologist, the independent neurologist. Um, I don't know if they fired him today or if it was last night, but they f- dude. Talking so, about a yeah. back injury. So I read the same news you did, and it's ba- it basically, as I understand it, the NFLPA has launched their own independent investigation into the concussion protocols that have been followed with Tua Tagovailoa's case. And, and what we're it's talking about injury, right? for <laughs> – yeah, wink, wink. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it was, it was the game two weeks ago against the Bills, right? Or I guess it was, it was technically la- – It was last week. Last weekend from today, which is October 1st. Um, he, he gets 
sacked or hit. I didn't. I didn't like see the beginning Matt of Milano the play, but he gets up afterwards and looks clearly concussed and tries to walk back or jog back to the huddle and then stumbles really badly and almost falls down. And it just it look it's hard to watch because you're like this is clearly a guy who's gotten his bell rung pretty severely. Right. So that happens. He goes into concussion protocol on the sidelines. They clear him and he comes back in that game. Right. This well, was in the first half. So he he. He went in to the locker room before halftime and came out with the yeah. team at halftime. Yeah. So he gets cleared, comes back in that game, and then, you know, fast forward a few days later, they have the Thursday night game against Cincinnati, speaking of Joe Burrow and all them, um, and then gets hit. So One of I, the most vicious hits I've ever seen. I wasn't watching the game, but I saw the sack. So he gets sacked, slammed down off the turf. His head slams off the turf, and as he kind of rolls over his – arms and his hands just start seizing up and like curling. Right, it's like he's like flashing weird. gang signs. Yeah, like. they start like curling up and you know, I think most people if you've watched any sort of combat sports like UFC or boxing or even football, you've seen these things before where someone gets hit in the head really hard and their stiff. arms seize up or they go stiff or whatever. It's really hard to watch. But so this happens to Tua on Thursday night literally four days after the, that had happened to him in the Bills game. He's on the field for like 10 minutes. He gets carted off. Taken to a hospital. The news was encouraging because they said he could move all of his extremities. Apparently, the hospital cleared him. He traveled back with the team back to Miami, I guess. But, you know, it's been a big story in the sports world. It's been a big story on social media of basically anyone with eyes is like, this guy has gotten two severe concussions within four or five days of each other. And how are you guys clearing him and like it seems like whatever protocol they have in place and you know the nfl is a league that over the past 10 years or so has made a giant investment and a big deal about putting more money and more research into concussion protocols and making the game safer for players and you know cte and that whole thing and yet it seems like what's happening to tua the situation is being mishandled and the concussion protocol is not protecting him the way it should be well so, so anyway the latest news to what you just said the latest news today on october 1st is that the nflpa has launched their own independent investigation into the concussion protocols for tua they have fired the independent neurologist that i guess cleared him it was for that bills game right, right, he's, right. He's, he was he's the guy who cleared him the bills to come back in the bills game so i mean it seems like I, I don't. I don't. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not well, detailed expert on the on the concussion protocol for the NFL. But it certainly seems like things have been not exactly followed to the letter. And the NFLPA is pretty outraged about it, and they're launching their own internal investigation. Well, so and they, so they had anyway. The, that's the that's the recent story so, with Tua. So, so they had the investigation after last week's game when he came back in because everyone's like, you don't, you don't. Yeah, come back for like so. I think the everyone NHL, who saw him st- like stumble was oh, like, you, oh my you god, know like he's done injury. for the day, right? right? He has to be done. And they were like, right. oh, it's a back injury. He's fine, right? So they said it was a back injury, but I don't, I don't know. You've you've hurt your back, but I don't think you stumbled and, and looked like you your brain and your head wasn't yeah, there, like your right? head wasn't connecting with your legs the right Cause, way, like because that's what that looked like, like. The radio said he didn't get up and grab his back. Yeah, no. if he got up and grabbed his back and kind of stumbled because right. like you hit that like he's got like a stinger like, oh, or something. And you fall. Yeah. It's different because then he would have probably sat there and like been like, "Oh my back." He he sat up and grabbed his face mask. Yeah. And then he stumbled and he grabbed his face mask and it's kind of like he's probably trying to settle his head down and be like, yeah. "We're we're here." Um, but you don't you don't come back from from concussion protocols within twenty minutes. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and especially... Especially after a bad one. Right, especially after a stumble. It's different if you get hit and you, like, get up and you're just kind of, like, you shake your head. Dazed and, a little bit. But yeah. you, like, nothing, you know, too visible looks wrong with you. Someone's like, hey, we need to just check that out because he got hit in the head. He he should have not returned to the game, one. Yeah. Yeah. So I know there's there was an investigation into that immediately put in I believe on Monday. Yeah. And well because that's what caused uh, the whole outrage is everyone was like everyone saw right. watching at home the stumble and how visibly concussed he looked. Right. So and then he gets cleared and put back into that game and everyone's like, "Hey, what's going on here?" So like, the outrage is both against the doctors and the team because if you're, you know, if you're a head coach, you don't want your star quarterback to go in there because there's the I don't know if I don't know the exact medical terms for it, but it's like post concussion syndrome or something like mm-hmm. that, where you might clear your concussion protocol, but then all of a sudden, like a day later or two days later, like you get the concussion symptoms to come back. Yeah. Or you, so you're more or less still concussed the whole time. You just like had one good day. Yeah. Um, so people are, were they were it was under investigation because he should have never come back into the game, and then he was cleared to play on. Thursday, 72, what, 72 hours-ish, 96 hours after he just sustained what was a concussion. And looked like a pretty severe one. He was allowed to come back to a game. So you're probably still concussed through this whole thing. Yeah. And he's cleared to come back, right? As a coaching staff, you should have been like, no, we're going to let him sit for this game. Play it, play it safe. Play it yeah. safe. Give him another week. <clears throat> When I say it was one of the most like vicious hits I've ever seen, I'm not saying it was dirty. I mean, he did slam him down, but it wasn't like, you know, breaking a leg or like yeah. dude came out of nowhere. But you have a 350-pound man taking this quarterback down to the ground with nothing to stop the momentum, and you saw the head, and it was immediate, like you said, about his fingers. Yeah, and they were they like, start curling and up everything. all weird. Yeah. And so I was reading some some doctor goes, you know, people on Twitter are like, what? Like, can someone explain to me what happened with his fingers? Because I've never yeah. seen that. And they usually relate that with, I believe, and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert on this anyways, but they believe it was with a brainstem injury. Oh, Jesus. So not just like a, 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 and a concussion is a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. I mean, that, it's, that's it's not a like, it, a, oh, you got it, a concussion. You'll be yeah. fine. If that's a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. And I mean, it's again, neither of us are doctors, but it's essentially your brain slamming against the walls of your skull. Right. I mean, that's not, you know, you don't have to be a doctor to know that's not ideal. No right. one wants that to happen. And, and so now after 72 hours of having a concussion, he gets slammed down and stiff like that. I mean, yeah, he's moving and everything, but it looked okay, really bad. That, okay, so he's not paralyzed right now, but like, what damage did we do? like? Does he he could have long term right brainstem injury? He yeah. could have a long term, you know, concussion problem yeah. now. And it comes down to who are the responsible parties: the coaching staff, the doctors on the team, the independent neurologists, mm-hmm. all of those people. I'm surprised that the hospital in Cincinnati wasn't like we're gonna he, he's fine, Just everything looks good, but we want to keep him for observation. Yeah. They're like, no, he can fly back. And one thing they said when you have a concussion is you're not supposed to look at like a screen. Yeah. He was watching movies with the head coach. And the head coach is like, yeah, he was laughing and talking the whole time. And I'm like, dude, you don't, I don't know, do man. you not understand? Like, this goes way beyond football. This, yeah. this goes yeah. way beyond football because this affects all of these players, you know. And this goes for all sports because, like the NHL, you know, I'm a big NHL fan. And the Avalanche had an old rookie who we traded away who literally sat out 
a year and a half, two years because of concussions. Yeah. Like he just couldn't get rid of the symptoms. We had a rookie last year, Bowen Byram, who had a concussions, who stepped away because he had such bad concussions and he needed like that personal time to just yeah, to you get, know, right. Get, yeah. get right and everything. And it's like this is much bigger than winning yeah. or losing your game. Like Tua could be done forever with the NFL, for all we know. Like yeah. we, I don't know the severity of it, but if I see him in the game next Sunday, I'm going to be a little more like – Maybe you guys should give him a week off yeah. or, or well, two weeks off. So all I know, again, I, I saw the replay of it, and, and a buddy of mine um, was was watching it, and I asked him. I was like, did you see it happen, and how bad was it? And he literally told me, he goes, I don't know if he'll ever play football again. Yeah. Which like may have been a little bit of hyperbole, but w- when you watch the hit and when you watch what he looks like on the field after that hit, it is scary, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, it's important to kind of zoom out and look at the big picture of things because, yes, obviously, all these guys in the NFL want to stay in the game. They want to win games. You know, that's the reason why they play. They want to play games. They want to win games in front of the fans. But do you but want to live to be 35? He's 24 years old. Tua Tagovailoa is 24 years old. So, I mean, outside of football, imagine a 24-year-old person who's been graduated from college a couple of years and they're just working a regular job and they get a, con- a concussion that severe, you're worried about like, hey, man, like, am I going to be okay mentally when I, ha- when I have kids in six, eight years or whatever it is? Or, or you know, does it hit me 20 years down the road exactly. and then all of a sudden and, I've got full-blown yeah. CTE? Am I going to start having, yeah, really bad like brain trauma symptoms later on down the line? I obviously want to do m- the best I can now to prevent more of these things from happening. But then within the football world, it's just commonplace to be seeing the brutality on people's bodies because it's just part of the game. But, it, but again, you got to zoom out and be like, you know, if you're Tua, I mean, I don't know. How many of those are you willing to have happen to you before you're 25 not, years old, before you're like, you know what, man? I mean, it's not worth it. Look, and, look and, at Wes and we, Welker. And we were just talking about um, Andrew Luck last night. Me and my dad were talking about Andrew Luck. And that's a guy who, in the middle, at the prime of his NFL career, All the quits. was like, you know what? I'm going to retire. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? And he's like, look, I have been injured and have had so many severe injuries since I've been playing football. It was just a constant cycle of being hurt, recovering, coming back, being hurt again, recovering, coming back. He's like, I'm, he was. I don't know, 26, 28, right. something like that. He wasn't even 30, I he, don't think. He retired and goes, I'm going to spend and he's time like, with my wife yeah, and kids I, I want to enjoy my life, and I want to be. I don't want to be crippled when I'm right. 10 years from now. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like limping around, have a bum shoulder, have a fucked up knee, have CTE symptoms. It's like it's completely understandable because if you well, think about it, like, all right, we are fanatical fans about football. We love football. Football is the biggest sport in, in the United States. It's a really big deal. It owns a day of the week. It owns like four days a week now. Well, it owns like four days a week now. But it is a game, and that's really it's all it is. It, it, yeah, it is entertainment. So it really, when you think about the grand scheme of life, doesn't matter. So are no, but it the, does. these players have to, you know, and, and – and, Granted, a lot of players play long careers and stay relatively injury-free and don't get any severe concussions. They don't get big knee injuries, which is great. That's very fortunate for them. But then other guys like like Tua or a Wes Welker or an Andrew Luck have repeated big injuries. And at a certain point, you got to be like, look, how much am I willing to sacrifice my long-term health for a couple of years of playing a game? So I think, And especially, I think that would make 
my decision a little easier too if I already had a few million dollars in the bank and I'm like, look, I could just chill and not work the rest of my life and be fine and enjoy my life with my wife and my kids without CTE. And I don't really need to play this game anymore and risk a couple of See, more severe concussions or a blown out knee here and there or a back injury or something. Like, it just, I don't to know, To me, man. it depends on the injury, right? A head injury, your brain is your most important part of your body. Exactly, yeah. You know, okay, if I've got... If something's three, wrong with if, that, If i got two a, concussions a in a year, I'm, I'm taking a step back and going, I need to figure out yeah. if how, I how need to risk this, this really worth anymore it, yeah. because I, I don't want, you know, like you said, I want to be able... I want to be there to walk my kids... You know, if I have daughters, I want to be able to walk them down the aisle. If I have sons, I want to be able to play sports with them, coach them. I want to be there for them. So, for me, a brain injury would be more where I take a step back. If I'm 28 years old and I tear my ACL, I'm going to be like, you know, I can live that I had my knee replaced or, or, you know, surgically repaired. I can live with that, right? Yeah, yeah. If I break my arm, I can live with that. Yeah. Those to me are I'm, I'm going to be like, well, when I get older, I'm going to feel it. Yeah, it might be stiff in the and, winter and when I'm, I'm older or whatever. I enjoy but, yeah. it that much, but at the end of the day, like, I love the game too much to give up over a torn ACL. Yeah. Whereas you go, I love the game too much to give up over four concussions. It's like, yeah, but that next one could kill you. Right. You right. know, your or next torn knee is probably not going to kill you. Like yeah. if you tear your knee and you die on the field, I mean, your family is going to be re- really well off because the amount of movies that will be made about <laughs> you and like shit that's done about you. But you, you have another concussion and that could legit just kill you. Yeah. Your blown out knee, your torn, you know, broken femur, whatever is probably not going to kill you. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those things. It's like how much, like you said, does it mean to you? But if it was me, I would go, if it's a head injury, I'm not giving it probably, if I had two concussions, I'd probably call it there. Yeah. If it's knees, elbows, whatever, I'd probably be like, if I want to play so much and it's not going to necessarily interfere, like if the doctors come back and they're like, You'll have full function again, yeah. You know, and you won't be weaker. I'd be like, all right. <clears throat> then it happens again. They're like, all right, you're going to be a little weaker, and I'll be like, okay, maybe it's time to just call it quits there. Yeah, but yeah. I think concussions is where I'd be like, yeah, I gotta. Well, it's scary, man. I mean, you think about it. You use your brain for literally everything. I mean, yeah, what do you? Without it, you're dead. Yeah. What What are you, What are you willing to sacrifice? Do you want to be able to like read and comprehend things and have? functional thoughts and have functional relationships when you're 10 20 30 years down the line because if if you like you said if you tear your acl that's not a concern your mind is still going to be sharp it's going to be fine but if you have repeated concussions that's not exactly a guarantee that you're going to be still sharp 30 years down well and to touch on this point it was an article i just saw i think it was on espn um it's not football related but it's head trauma related a boxer who was just knocked out I think it was last weekend or a weekend before, died five days later. Oh, my God. He was knocked out, and he's a professional boxer. I think he's 25 or something. I think he's in his 20s. Knocked down his fight, died five days later because Jesus. of head, head, head trauma. But it's like, yeah, it's different sports, but at the same time, you know, those football blows can be bigger than a whole boxing match yeah. and vice versa, obviously. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not downplaying any of that. But dude died five days after he got knocked out. Like – you don't know the ramifications of Tua's injury. If they play him next week, honestly, Miami's franchise should be shut down for a whole year and suspended. And I think there's going to be if that. Ha- I don't think he'll play, but if he does, there's going to be that's going to be a big story. It's going to be even bigger than it is now because that's like the number one story in the NFL Dude, world right it now. It is huge. And and were you watching the? You weren't watching the game. No, I didn't see it. So um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was. He's one of the. 
Amazon Prime commentators, and he was getting choked up and emotional about it. I'm sure he was. And I'm like, no, I get that. Like, you know, when I would watch, like, Garrett's football injury, I was like, like, it's hard to go play after that. Yeah. When you see a superstar get hurt like that, it's hard to go play, especially knowing if that was the first hit and he didn't have a concussion last week, Yeah, no one's talking about it. Right. But the whole situation's going, everyone's like, this could legit, like, we might have just seen Tua Tagovailoa, like you said, he's done. Like, yeah. He might be done yeah. in the NFL. And and it's something that could have been prevented. They could have just sat right. him for a week, let him or take two, another week or three of rest. Right, yeah, however long, it, however long it takes. Let him be ready and come back and play, but they didn't. And it was four days later, and they started him, and then he has this massive concussion again. So, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see how this how this story plays out. I really hope he's okay. It would really suck to see him, you know, in his what third year at age twenty four. Yep, I hope he can keep playing. Have like a career ending, you know, problem with concussions. That would really suck to see. So I hope he's fine. I hope his health is okay. But but if I don't see him play again the rest of the year because he needs to take the rest of the year yeah, to get I'm healthy, fine with then I'm yeah. fine with it. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's same with any that other That should player. be the number one concern for because, sure. Because it's as, a game. <laughs> right. As much as I enjoy the entertainment and fantasy football and, yeah. and you know sports betting and all that stuff, that's not my personal life that, that yeah. just got affected and they need to take care of themselves and be selfish for themselves because I would do the same shit. I'd be like, nah, fuck you guys. I need to step away and make sure I'm – alive yeah 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 so yeah hopefully Yikes. he's all right but i mean it makes tyreek hill and uh jalen wall a little scary to go against in fantasy yeah exactly right well speaking of like football related stuff that's non-injury wise a couple so the week prior to the bills game who did miami play that week when tua had like six touchdowns and 500 yards or something in that game it was literally like the best game he's played in his entire nfl career albeit a, a relatively young career at this point but who was it that they were playing? Do you remember? Are you looking it up right now? So not last week, but week two. It was before the Bills. So that would have been, I think, it week two. cold as ice. Let's see who that they played was. The Ra- oh, they played the Ravens. They the put Ravens. 28 in the fourth. That's right. 42 to, what was it, 30? 42 to 38 eight? because the Dolphins put up 28 in the fourth quarter. And what was Tua's tag, or stat line? Tua went... 36 of 50 for 469 yards and six TDs. And that's just <laughs> passing. Um, Holy shit. He had – I don't think he had that much running. Yeah, he had one rush for one yard. Man, that's hands down the best game he's played in the NFL so far, though. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know about you. I haven't been super high on Tua so far in the NFL, but it seems like this year he's kind of coming into his own a little bit. So that's what makes this whole thing even more sad, too, is like if that kind of derails his momentum that he's had so far this season, that would really suck as well. But Again, um, it's like I go back, you're a product I'm dying over here. You're a product of your environment, right? And he wasn't he didn't go to a very good Dolphins team at the start. Yeah. And then in the off season they tried to trade for Tom Brady and do all that shit. So mm-hmm. like they're already giving up on Tua and so, like, his headspace coming in, I think he was more motivated to be like, I am your guy. Yeah. And like, I'm going to prove it. And dude, through the first three weeks, it, my two MVPs would have been him and Jalen Hurts because yeah. those two guys have been lights out. Yeah. Do we want to pivot back to the college stuff, or do you want to go more into NFL? I'm fine to go more into NFL because college you can talk about and you can be like, yeah, this team looks great. And then the next week they lose, and you're like, fuck, I look like <laughs> a dumbass. Well, I guess real quick before we dive into the NFL, I just want to say, so going into this week, so this is week five of college football, um, here's your top 25. I'll just run through it real quick. So like I said. CU's number one. 
Oh, yeah, number one of the bottom ten. Actually, they're number two. CSU is number one. Are they really? Yeah, so you got Colorado State and then Colorado. (laughs) So what Matt's talking about, for anyone who doesn't know, is each week um, ESPN has an article they post that's basically the bottom ten of college football teams in the entire country. And my alma mater, New Mexico State, unfortunately, is usually either on that list or at the very top. In fact, last week they were at the very top. They got a good win over Hawaii last week where they put up 42 points. So I don't know if they've dropped completely off the bottom 10 list, but they're no longer number one. But both of the main Colorado schools, CU and CSU, are on one the bottom two, 10 baby. list. One and they're, and apparently they're number one and two. So that's always kind of a comical thing to read if you're a college football fan each week on ESPN. They'll do the bottom 10. But Unless you're a fan of one of those teams. And right, hear. yeah. That could be a little depressing. But um, So the top 25 going into this week, and obviously, you know, once we post this podcast, um, this day's uh, results will be finalized, and these rankings will probably be shaken up a little bit by next Monday Here we or go. Tuesday. Before but we go into the top 25, let's go into the bottom oh, yeah. 10. Yeah, let's hear the bottom 10. So the bottom 10 starts, <laughs> and, and they make fun of you know the name, so I'm going to tell you. So it's Colorado Duh State at 0-4 is number one. So they're the worst FBS team, followed by Colorado Duh at 0-4 <laughs> as well. So they're number two. And then Hawaii is one and four, and they're number three. Um, UMass, but they call it UMass. They are one and three, and they're number four on the worst. And then it's Arc of We Lost to Raiders. Who is that supposed to be? Um, I believe it's Arkansas State. I was going to say it can't be Arkansas. No, 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 no. I think it's Arkansas State. So apparently they're terrible. Um, yeah, and then it's you can't, which is UConn. They're one and four. Notice how all these have wins, but CU and CSU at the top <laughs> are like zero oh and four. And then there's Akron, what is Akronominus, and they're one and three. And then there's Ball State. They're number eight. They're Baller State. And then there's Woo Mexico State at one and four, coming in at number ah, fuck. nine. So we're still on there at number <laughs> nine. Well, at least we're not number one anymore. And then number ten is Georgia Tech, called Rambling Rack at one and three. So well, hopefully New Mexico State. I think they play Florida International tonight at six. So, so yeah, if you if they uh, win tonight, they'll get off this list. Hopefully, if you guys want those articles, are usually put out on Wednesday of the week by Ryan um, McGee, and, and they're pretty funny to follow with. So yeah, uh, I, I would I'd give a look at them. It's a funny chuckle, especially when yeah. you're a CU fan and you know they suck ass. So yeah, rough uh, rough year for the Colorado schools. Um, so the top twenty five going into this week. Um, Georgia, number one, and I'll just go down the list through the top, top 25. Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, USC, Kentucky, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, NC State, Penn State, Utah, Oregon, Ole Miss, Washington, Baylor, Texas A&M, Oregon, BYU, Arkansas, Minnesota, Wake Forest, Florida State, Pitt, and Kansas State. That's your top 25. And I was going to mention, too, so this week, there was games on Thursday and Friday. And Friday night's game, um, UCLA was playing Washington, and Washington was ranked 15. And they were – I guess the game ended up 40-32 to 32 UCLA. Earlier in that game, it was a blowout. It was blowout. like 33 to 10, I think. Yeah, and well, I think UCLA was up like 40 to – seven or 40 to 14 or something at one point so it sounds like washington kind of made a run to try and come back in that game but washington number 15th ranked team in the nation going into week five loses to an unranked ucla so um i was i was gonna mention since 
I'm a fan of ASU. I always like to see. I'm just <laughs> curious how Talk many. Talk about it. Oh my program god! Program in turmoil. Yeah, let's let's dive into that here in a second. But I, I always like to count the Pac-12 schools that are in the top 25. So it looks like we got USC, uh, Utah, Oregon, Washington. Although they'll probably drop at this point. They'll probably drop, but UCLA will jump in. And then UCLA might jump in. So that's actually there's it looks like there's four of them. So it'd be USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington. Um, it is as of right now, but obviously those will change by the time this podcast is posted. But so I mean, a lot of the Pac-12 teams are pretty bad, but there are clearly and this is three this or four is one of their stronger are, years in the past few years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, and I think uh, poor Arizona State plays USC tonight, who's ranked number six in the nation, and they played Utah last week, who's number twelve in the nation. Um, ASU to dive into that really quickly. Um, they're kind of a dumpster fire right now. Yeah, they've been a dumpster fire since Herm Edwards took over. Yeah, and and this was he's been there what like four years or this five? This was his third year, I think. Oh, I don't it think really it was just that three? long. I thought it was like four, but anyway, it's been at least like three seasons, and he took over for Todd Graham, and just it's gone downhill. I mean, there's no other way to frame it, and and you know when because when Sam was there playing for Todd Graham. They had a couple years there, and I think his freshman year actually would have, would have been like 2014. Um, they were like, till the end of the season, till the last one or two games, had a shot at being in the college football playoff. And they usually went and played. He played in multiple bowl games while he was right. there. Yeah, they, they, were, were, they were usually a pretty high of the pack team. Yeah, as they far were as the like, it, yeah, within the Pac-12, they were one of the better teams pretty much every year. Yeah, then, who was it? See you. <laughs> and then they fire... Todd Graham bringing Herm Edwards, and since then it has just gotten worse. And they're you know, under investigation for recruiting. I, I was going to say for, for anyone who's been paying attention, I think it was was it during 2020s like off season or was it during so. last year's off season? I think it was 2020. There was this whole investigation that the NCAA is has launched into ASU that's still ongoing, actually, as far as I believe. Um, into recruiting violations and COVID protocol violations and all this kind of stuff into ASU. They've had a total exodus of players in the last couple seasons that have transferred to other teams. Over 40 or something. Just a total overhaul. Coaches, coaching staff, bunch of them left. And then just, what was it, last week or the week before? I think it was two weeks ago, right after they lost to, um, who was that? Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan. At home. At home. Herm Edwards gets fired, and so now On they're the field. so now they're playing with an interim head coach. They're under investigation, and then there was this story that got released that it's I, like it's kind of rumors. It's not really some of this might be unfounded, but the rumor is that there were members of the ASU coaching staff that were leaking info to other teams to make it more likely that ASU would lose games, yep. which would ensure Herm Edwards getting fired faster. So, I mean, if that's true. It's just a, a total dumpster fire right now in in Phoenix. Well, and but, you got to think too. What kind of Tempe, what kind of head coach wants to come into a program like that? Right? They they they've yeah. got the money, they got the facilities, they got the recruiting in Arizona and Texas that they could bring in whoever they want, and they could be very a powerhouse team. But what big head coach is going to want to go down there and be like, yeah, I'll deal with right. all these sanctions, I'll deal with losing scholarships, right, and, right. and all this shit to try and turn this program around? That's not going to get a bigger offer you know, in three years. That's, that's the thing that's tough is now like, this can be the things that cause like maybe like maybe the death of the program is a little bit hyperbolic, but like 
the, the downfall. downfall of a program is shit like this, where you have th- several losing seasons in a row. You have coaching, coaching staff getting fired. You have sanctions and investigations from the NCAA. Like you said, no coaches and no players want to go to a school that's in a situation like that. Yep. So it makes it that much harder to try and bring that program back if you're dealing with all of that, plus the fact you're still losing football games. Right. I mean, so, so being a CU fan, we're not in the boat of sanctions or anything like that, right? But we're in the boat of we're one of the worst teams, and we've been one of the worst teams. <clears throat> Our coaching staff is dog shit. We're starting a true freshman at quarterback. Like, we're trying to find some positive, but it's like – how do you recruit? How yeah, do you recruit it's, it's kids to come here? Because you're like, yeah, we're it, it's a. I mean, if you've never been to Folsom Field in Boulder, you got to go. It it is one of the most beautiful stadiums and yeah. the coolest atmospheres. For and Boulder is a really awesome, beautiful day. place too. The team sucks ass. So go there when they play <laughs> USC or Oregon. Like yeah. go there when they play a big team to yeah. watch one good team and one shit team. But it's like. How do you recruit there? You're like, yeah, look, this is beautiful. The state's beautiful. Don't move here, by the way, but it's beautiful. You know, how, how do you get kids that are like, yeah, but I want to win? And it's like, well, then you're talking to the wrong program right, right now. Right, But, like, you put together five, ten, you know, winning seasons in a row, even if you go six and six in all those and you're competitive, yeah. kids might – it just takes that one kid that could change the whole program right. and then all of a sudden you become yeah. this national powerhouse. But it's like, no, never mind. It's just so tough to – and, I mean, you know, my alma mater is New Mexico State, and New Mexico State has been bad for a long time. And the thing about New Mexico State that's more unique than, like, a CU or an ASU is it's not exactly a destination place. You know, it's like it's hard to convince kids to come to Las Cruces, New Mexico, out of all the different places and right. options that they may have. So there, any, any coach who comes into there or any, like, highly touted recruit – it's hard to convince them to come to a situation like that and try and turn that program around. So, therefore, you don't get the best coaches. You don't get the best players. you got to work with what you have. you got to work with what you have, and then you continue to lose games. And, of course, New Mexico State's been in an, another thing that's been a hamper against them having any sort of success in the last few years is they've been bouncing around to different conferences. They've been independent last and couple of years. And that hurts really bad because there's no revenue coming right, in. Right, right. And you got to go around and just get your ass kicked by the LSUs <laughs> by of the world Dame. and the Notre Dames and the Alabamas of the world. It just sucks. So thankfully, I think next year they're going to actually join Conference USA, hopefully be a little bit more competitive. So I, I have hope that here in the future it's going to turn, turn around a little bit. And what's weird is like with New Mexico State, like two or three years ago they won a bowl game. Right. So it's like losing season, losing season, losing season, losing season, bowl win game. a bowl game, and then go back to just losing season. Hey, losing season. that's the same thing with so CU. Strange. Since they fired um, Barnett. Gary Barnett, I think it was like after like the 05 or 06 season. We've been, literally had losing seasons all the way until we were like the number 10 ranked team in the country and we lost to Oklahoma State in the Alamo Bowl. Um, and then it's just been – we've never been back more or less. Like, yeah. Well, we went back to the Alamo Bowl again and we played Texas in the COVID year because we were like 4-1 and because we played a bunch of shit. Oh, yeah. 12 yeah, teams. yeah, yeah. And then we've never been back to a bowl. So, like, I'm pretty sure in the last, like, 17 years, Colorado's been to two bowl games, and they've lost both of them. But we were really competitive. That 2016 CU team with, like, Philip Lindsay, Cephal Lufau, yeah. that was a fun team to watch. Those Pac-12 games were fucking exciting. Like, it was fun. And then it was just like. Yeah. 
it's so interesting to see. I mean, obviously you have your programs like Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State and Bama that year in, year out for like a decade or more are just really, really good every year, ranked in the top 25, ranked in the top five, winning big bowl games, competing in the college football playoff. And then you have these programs that will have like bad season after bad season for five, six years in a row and then be in a bowl game or win a bowl game and then go right back to being bad for five or six more years in a row. It's like, what happened there? Right. It's like, <laughs> what was this little blip yeah, on well, the this graph? This is a like, weird little fluke here. Like, I, I don't understand how that happens. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a rough time to be an Arizona State fan, a CU fan, or a New Mexico State well, fan, which are pretty my, much. Uh, Western Mountaineers out of beautiful Gunnison, Colorado, are doing pretty good this year. Oh, yeah? I think they're 3-2. and two. Is, 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 um, is Western D2 or are they D1 double D2. D2. D2, okay. Yep. They play in the RMAC. The RMAC, that's right. I'm telling you, we'll, we'll, they play Mines at home this year, so we won't go to that game. But next year when they play at Mines, we'll have to go to that game. Cause I'm down. Mines is a pretty cool stadium. Um, they're and usually I, yeah. a top 25 Division two school. I've never seen – I've never been to Mines or, yeah, Gunna, or Gunnison. Well, yeah. when – when Gunnison has the stadium built, I'll take you up there and we'll okay. go to a game up yeah. there. And then uh, mine's is much quicker. It's just like yeah. a 45-minute drive up yeah. the road. I'm willing to do that. That sounds fun. But uh, we'll go watch like Western and then play up there. Yeah, I'm down. All right, well, you want to pivot over to the NFL? Oh, uh, let's talk about Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Should we just start with our Broncos? All right, how are you <sighs> feeling? I mean, I know you're like the most relentlessly optimistic Broncos fan there is. Okay, well. But I don't know. It's been pretty depressing Here's my to watch reason for optimism, games. right? We can't get much worse. Because <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. We can't get much worse, which means if we score 12 points this week against the Raiders, we're, it's trending we're, up. we're trending upwards. <laughs> Maybe by the end of the season we'll hit 20. <laughs> I look at it as our defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense. They are really and, good. And they look really that good. That is facts. And everybody's like, well, you played the Seahawks, the Texans, and I'm like, yeah, and we just kept the 49ers to 10 points Yeah. with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's taken that team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. With Debo Samuel, yeah, they have some banged up running backs, but that's that was a team that was a Super Bowl contender to start the season, and we beat them eleven to ten. Eleven with so the weirdest sucking. score ever. Our offense, and, and I said this earlier about you know you go from a ten year veteran at one system going to another system. We're not using our players the correct way, right? Mm. I don't know why we're not pounding the ball with Javante Williams and then running a play action pass with Wilson. I get we want to protect him because we're paying him a quarter of a billion dollars, but we're paying him a quarter of a billion dollars, and he looks like I could play better than him as a fat, out-of-shape 28-year-old that hasn't <laughs> thrown a football in like nine years. I could probably go play better at quarterback. And But then again, we have a rookie head coach, and you yeah. know the play calling and the penalties, mm. and like you, the, the team's just so unorganized, and it comes down to a lack of preparation through preseason games, and I know a lot of people don't want to play in preseason games because you don't want to get hurt, but then you have all these mental errors. So the yeah. first four games of the NFL season are more or less the preseason for the starters. Yeah. So and I think you bring up a lot of good points. I, I think what I've seen so far is, you know, Russell Wilson is in the top-tier level quarterbacks in, quarterback. the, in the league. He's an, he an, an elite quarterback. But... That doesn't necessarily mean – I think the thing is here in Denver, the last – since Peyton Manning left in 2016. Since we won the Super Bowl. And yeah, yeah. So the last six years last has been days. just a, a quarterback – We started ca- 14, four, yeah. 14 or 15 QB. But Wilson's like the 14th yeah. or 15th. Quarterback QB. carousel. 14, 14 quarterbacks in the last six years. That's obviously not what you want as an NFL franchise. So I think 
the problem is Broncos fans have now been conditioned to be like, oh, well, our problem is our quarterback. So if we get a good quarterback, all of our problems will be solved. That's not the case. We got a good quarterback, and now we have more problems. Right. We have a good quarterback. We finally locked one down. And this, you know, I think everyone, when the news broke that, he, that Russell Wilson was going to be here in the offseason, we're all crossing our fingers going, hey, is this going to be Peyton Manning circa right. 2013 12. or 2012 or whenever that was that he came here? Are we about to go on a four-year run where we go to two Super Bowls? I mean, I think there's reason to be optimistic, but they haven't shown it. <laughs> this is an offense that, over the last four or five or six seasons, has really struggled to score like 20 points a game. Right. And I mean, just because you bring in a quarterback who is a top tier, elite level quarterback, doesn't mean that all of those problems are magically solved. You still have to fix the other things that are going on. And I think you bring up some good points. You know, the and this is a league wide issue. The Starters not playing at all or barely at all in the preseason led to a super sloppy week one. That first Very week sloppy. of the NFL, there was just interceptions. There was missed field goals. There was missed extra points, fumbles all over the place, penalties everywhere. It was really sloppy. It was hard to watch. It was honestly hard to watch. There was an insane amount of interceptions. So it's like, okay, that's clearly affecting the play because like the starters, you know, like you said, you don't want them getting hurt in preseason meaningless games, but – they do need to shake a little bit of the rust off so that we're not all watching right, week play, one being play like, one half in God, the have these guys ever game. played together before? Because that's kind of what it looked like. So you have some of that going on. You know, it's, it's not just a Broncos thing. It's a league-wide thing. But you got penalties that we're dealing with. And I think it's just – okay, so who's the guy they just brought in to help with the Rosberg. clock management stuff? I wanted I to touch on that Rosberg. a little bit. And I he, haven't he, read he, into this. Do you know about this so, guy? So he, it's, yeah, so he was with the Ravens for like last 15 years or something, I'm okay. pretty sure. And he's just more of like a game control manager type guy. He's a really okay. smart football-minded guy, right? Okay. But he's going to be the kind of guy. So Hackett's a first-year head coach. He goes from right. play calling to first-year head coaching, but now he wants to continue the play calling. And as a head coach in the NFL, if you're going to do the play calling, that means you have to get the plays out to your quarterback. But then you're also thinking about – Okay, it's second down. I need to have two options on third and fourth down that are coming mm -hmm. up, right? So you're thinking like five plays ahead yeah. and how you're supposed to get things. And, and as we saw in like the weeks one and two with the Broncos, we got delayed of game penalties running our field goal unit out because he was too indecisive. Yeah. Because he's probably going through his sheet going, what should I do here, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, there's, there's a playbook for coaches as far as down and distance where you are, like – yeah. It's like a blackjack handbook, right? They're like, right. "Hey, you should hit this or, or in this or no, situation stand here, yeah, right? In this situation, cars, you're yeah. supposed to do these." And then you go, "Okay, well, let me get into my little play section of yeah. these are what we should run." He was just losing himself. He's trying to get the play calls out to to Russell Wilson, but he apparently he's reading him a novel for these play calls because <laughs> we weren't breaking the huddle until like eight seconds left. Yeah, and then they would run out there, but then Russell can't read the defense if we're zone or man, so he can't make any adjustments. So we're just kind of like run the play, right? It probably won't work because I can't. You know, if they're in a zone, yeah. you know, this option would have worked. Yeah, but he has but no, if, no if time we're to man, make any We want to go this, anything. no yeah. time. So they brought him in to be more of the okay. We have everything. Okay, run this right. So he's. He's supposed to allow Hackett to more do the play calling and then be in his head being like, hey, let's okay. go. This is what okay. we want to do. This, like, he, well, so he's – so as a, a first-year head coach, and this is where people have actually praised Hackett, he came out and was like, I need help. I, I wasn't ready for this. I need help. I need someone yeah. to come in and help me. I mean, and it's a, a learning head, curve. A lot of clearly. head coaches would be like, I'm fine. I, well, I'll right, get it worked right. out. And he's like, no, I need some, yeah. someone come in, help me out. <clears throat> we, our clock management 
on Sunday night last week was much better. Well, that's what I was just about to say. <clears throat> but our receivers dropping the ball, our running backs fumbling the ball, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, wow, we're paying Wilson $250 million. I'm like, yeah, but Sutton had a clear drop. Judy had multiple drops. Gordon fumbled. Like, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We have yeah. we had a missed field goal. Like, the game really might not have been as close as it was. Like, there were certain things in that game that we're blaming Wilson for, but it's like, if he hits a receiver in the hands and you're in the NFL, you should make the catch. Mm. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I could do it. But you're getting paid millions right. to do That's it. That's why you're getting paid. That's your yeah. job. That yeah. is what you are supposed to do. Yeah. Catch the ball or hold on to the fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I guess we are sitting at 2-1, and one, right? So, I mean, it's – Top of the division, baby. <sighs> Top of the division. I, I mean, obviously through three games, that could change drastically in the next six. To well, eight we did weeks, start three and zero like last year or the year before. So, um, I don't know, man. It's been frustrating to watch. I, I I do think that this guy being brought in, what's his name again? The clock management guy, Rosberg. Rosberg, I think. Rosberg. Yeah. I do think that is a very intelligent move on behalf of the organization to bring a guy like that in because I mean, the first two games especially, I'm if so you're watching, bad. you're like, man, the clock management here is just. I mean, so like, we, I think we all take it for granted when you watch a guy like a Bill Belichick manage the clock in late game situations. It's masterful how he does it. Like when he chooses to call timeouts, right. what sort of play calls he's making. And obviously it helps if you have a guy like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers behind center who's also a pro at knowing how to manage. You but, know, if, but if you get the plays the, to him with 25 seconds left right. on the play clock, they can go do what they, they can do, go best. do You're putting them in position to do their job. So we take it for granted watching guys who are just absolute pros at doing this shit manage it the way it's supposed to be managed. And so right. you see, obviously you're seeing the mistakes here with a first-year head coach not doing as good a job and not being as much of an expert in managing these late game or like end of half or late game scenarios. But I think that's a super intelligent and encouraging move on behalf of the organization to bring a guy in and, and like to admit, Hey, hey, I, we have an issue right. with this. We need to, we need to fix that. Cause if we fix that, we're going to be putting ourselves right. in a much better position to win. Now games. we can focus on catching yeah. the ball and not fumbling the ball right. and making right. our field goals and, so that's encouraging. It's not that like, you know, to your point, it's not like we have our head coach and our organization being like, oh, no, our clock management's fine. We don't have anything to work on. We just need to – our guys need to make plays. And it's like, If you said that, I'd have been like, remember when you had 76,000 people <laughs> counting down the play clock when it hit 10 so you didn't yeah. get a delay of the game? Yeah. One, that's embarrassing. Right. Two, right. you also admitted that that kind of helped light a fire under your team, which is even more embarrassing that – I mean, I'm a diehard Broncos fan, and – and I, I, would, I don't know if I'll call you a diehard Broncos fan. You I'm know, a fan. I'm not diehard. I'm but a like, fan. We grew up in an era where the Broncos were always a playoff team. We had more yeah. – yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm pretty sure we had more Super Bowl appearances than we had losing seasons Yeah. under Pat Bull and the old owner. In the last six years, we've had more – we've had more fumbles in one game than we've had winning seasons. I was, hasn't pretty much every season been a losing season in the every, last six Every years? season – we were 8-8 eight and eight in 2016, and then we haven't won more than seven games after that. God, it's terrible. But it's one of those things. So frustrating. You know, as a franchise, we're, we're a storied franchise. I would say we're a top three franchise in the NFL. And sure, I might be a little biased on that. But <laughs> as far as the loyalty of the fan base goes, they've been they sold out every home game since like 1980 or something. Like yeah. when Pat Bowen bought the team, it's been consecutive sellouts since then, right? 
Well, and that's why you see the frustration boiling over on the part of the fans. Right, when we you're go watching. three and out, and you get booed. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's like it's rightfully was it, so. Was it the San Francisco game where it was like seven possessions in a row to start the game where three and outs? Yeah, and the like, fans punt, are punt, punt, booing. Punt. They're like, yeah. "What the fuck is this? Like, we pay a lot of money to come to these yeah. games. You guys just paid this quarterback a quarter of a billion dollars, and we can't get a first down. Right? What are we doing here? It's frustrating. To right, watch. And, and it's one of those things. It's just. As a fan, like I said, we got used – like we were spoiled with going to the playoffs. Yeah. We, maybe we weren't Super Bowl contenders. But at least you're in the but playoffs. But we were yeah. – we had a chance. All you had to do was get lucky a couple right. of games. Win a couple of games, yeah. Right, like like the Bengals did. They got – you know, they played well, don't get me wrong, but yeah. they also got lucky and won yeah. the games they needed to and got to the Super Bowl. But it's like we got spoiled as that, and now we've been in this like slump where it's like this is not the franchise that should be this way. We have a new owner, new head coach. You know, new quarterback. We should be on an upward trend, and so that's yeah. where my optimism is still. Like, as long as Melvin Gordon doesn't touch the football, we're fine. <laughs> like, it, maybe if we trade him away for you know a used tampon or something, we'd be fine. But it's I was just gonna like, say, Matt, what are your thoughts on Melvin Gordon? Just I'm, I'm bro. Just curious. Okay, I'm so, not. I'm not. I don't know what your thoughts are. So you he had that fumble, right? And I typed out that message in our fantasy football chat. And I was like, I bet you multiple people are sitting there laughing that just they could just you know, you're probably like, Oh yeah, let's just picture Matt on his couch right now and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah, he's just like fucking he's probably punched his TV. <laughs> Thrown something across the and room. And then he caught that pass and fumbled on the sideline. Luckily he got it back. But I was just like I, I was with my parents, so I had to like I try and like be respectful. Make it a little more G rated. But I go, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I absolutely hate Aaron. Uh, or Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I don't know why I said Aaron Gordon. I He's a basketball yeah. player. I don't. I don't hate him. Aaron <laughs> Gordon. Bring bring the Nuggets a ship. Yeah. <laughs> but Melvin Gordon. He he fumbled that. And I looked at my parents. And was like, just plug your ears because I'm gonna just go yeah. on a tirade. And my mom goes, what? And I was like, you stupid motherfucker! Have you fucking fumbled? And I was just like screaming. Like my mom was like, the door's open. And I was like, I don't care. He should hold on to the fucking I don't. I don't think any Ugh. fan has hated a player more than you hate Melvin Gordon. Bro, we have Javante Williams, who you could argue could easily be a top 10, if not top 5 running back in the league. And we're like, oh, Melvin Gordon fumbled. Hey, Melvin, go run the ball again. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> take him on a fucking game. Hack it. I'm going to come fucking hack you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right, take a breath. Take a breath. Dude, like the Seattle game. Melvin Gordon fumbled on the one. Yard. I'm like, fucking, you have Javante fucking Williams. And then he fumbled on the one. Yard. I'm like, you have <laughs> Russell Wilson just quarterback sneaking. For fuck's sake. Oh, oh man. man. I get way too into the games. Like, and I don't like Melvin Gordon. And he's Clearly. sucked his whole Clearly. year. So. Well, okay. So, and in, in here's there's a couple teams in the league, Cowboys being one of them. Where their guy who clearly is like their running back one Tony is Pollard. not as good as the other guy that they don't consider their running back one. You know what I mean? It's like, like Tony Pollard is their running back one. Like That's Tony Pollard real. is better than Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. He's, well, he's just, just not, simply better. You like, know what? Zeke signed that big ass contract, I'm pretty sure. And then he did shit. He, he Jay Cutler did. He's like, he I'm Jay making the fucking money. I'm not gonna do shit. And Pollard's like, new, new, new. Tony like, Pollard is so much better than Ezekiel. Bro, I'm pretty sure he had like funny. three carries for like eighty yards in their their last game. Ezekiel Elliott, he I mean I, I don't I'm not an an expert on all things Ezekiel Elliott, but has he had like more than one really good season? Maybe two. 
don't right? know. Let's check Since ESPN. he signed his big contract, he has been useless. And he's one of those guys that like used to be, uh, okay, he's like one of the top five guys you want to get in fantasy in terms of running backs. He's going to be scoring all kinds of points. And now it's like, I'd rather have Tony Pollard. Well, so this year, Elliott is averaging 4.4 yards per carry with 178 yards through three weeks with one TD. He's averaging 59.3 yards per game. If we look at his statistics, he has had one, two, three, four thousand yard seasons, and the the other two of his six before this season were nine seventy nine and nine eighty three. So, not bad, but like the dude, his first year went for sixteen hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. How many touchdowns? What's the most amount of touchdowns he scored in a season? Fifteen. Since then? That was or since then twelve in twenty nineteen with thirteen hundred yards. Then last year he had a thousand yard season and ten touchdowns. But it's like Tony Pollard, dude. He's just more explosive, in my opinion. Like yeah, Elliot, yeah. I think you put Elliot in on the goal line. He's your bigger back. Like when well, I him think be a power back, but I think here's the thing too is you know I mean you're you're reading off those stats and maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was, but for how much money they're paying him, it's bad. I think <laughs> that's one of those things in the NFL is like if you pay these guys obscene amounts of money for these insane contracts, they better perform up to that level of money they're getting paid or else you just wasted a lot of money. Well, let's look at Derek Henry. Like imagine if they imagine if they paid if the Chiefs signed Mahomes a couple years ago to this massive half a billion dollar extension and he starts being like bottom of the third, like bottom third quarterbacks in the league. Imagine how stupid the Chiefs feel. But he has it. It's Patrick Mahomes, and that guy's money every year, one of the best quarterbacks if not the best quarterback in the league every year. But Zeke Elliott's one of those dudes. They sign him to a contract. They pay him like he's Patrick Mahomes, and he's not and very good anymore. And he's just making money. Like you said, he's Jay Cutlering it. Like they paid Jay Cutler a billion dollars, and he was just like, yeah, I'm done playing now. I don't he's care He's like, anymore. thanks for the millions, yeah. bitches. Uh, I'm not going to try anymore. That's it. I've done all my trying. Yeah, I don't know. It, for me right now, the NFL season's too early to really get a hold of, like, who's going to be these – you know, I've, Jalen Hurts, Tua were on my – list so far of like okay these guys are gonna have breakout years they're gonna yeah. do really well i am excited for jalen hurts i'm i'm i was not a fan of his when he was the starting quarterback at alabama but then after watching him get supplanted by tua and then go to oklahoma and have a ball on year and then since he's been in the pros i'm now a jalen hurts fan i'm, I'm pulling for him i have aj brown in one of my leagues and so i'm like yo throw to aj brown right unless right. i'm playing against you guys then don't throw to anybody <laughs> get sacked you know but, no, I mean, I think it's too early. Like I said, my optimism for the Broncos, we'll see tomorrow. We play a, a defeated Raiders team where if they right. lose, they're, you could argue that they're already out of the playoffs. And if the Broncos win on the road, it could be a good, okay, hey, you know, I just want to see our offense. If, if we can score 21 points, you know, get over that 20-point mark. Right, yeah. And, and the offense can show that it's moving the football, right, yeah. and we're not consistently going three and out, I'll be like, okay, we're showing glimpses. Now if we can just put some games together and you guys can all get your confidence, mm-hmm. we're going to be a hard team to stop. That's the thing, man, is I think, you know, obviously as Broncos fans, you're not willing to accept a bunch of losses. You want to see winning football. But I think it would feel better going down if we were scoring points. <laughs> I think right, that's if a we lost like thing, 35 like, to 34 right, or something. Yeah. And it was like, like, okay, damn, look, we're scoring points. We missed our opportunity. Yeah, it's okay. We just got outgunned, you know, in an offensive battle, whatever. But it's like we're playing like, you know, the last few years, it's like you have 13 points a game or 11. We That 11 to 10 game against the 49ers, I think they said it was the second 11 to 10 game in the history of the NFL. Yeah, since like the 80s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 
11 to 10. What a weird score. I mean, a win's a win. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, a win we'll is take a it. Win, but it's like, but it's one of those show things us where I, something. Show yeah. us a quarter billion dollars worth of something. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those wins where your team wins, but at the end of the game, you don't feel like your team won. You know, I don't, as <laughs> Broncos fans, you were like, I'm annoyed at this game, and yet we won. You your know? team won, like, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to brag about it, but at the same time, I'm really confused on how we won. Right, yeah. It's one. Of, it's a very confusing feeling. Like, it's like, hey, well, we looked like shit, hey, but I guess team, we won. Did so. your team win this week? It's like, well, no. It's like, well, my team did. We won 11 to 10, so. <laughs> 11 to 10. Everyone's like, what? Uh, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Uh, is the game tomorrow in Vegas? Yeah. Okay. On the road, so. All right. It'll probably be a home crowd for the Broncos, though, because, you know. Vegas and no one likes the Raiders. Well, and everyone in Vegas is going to be too hungover to go to that game and give a shit anyway. So, <laughs> and I don't think Josh McDaniels has he's never he hasn't won a head coaching game since like 2006 or whenever he was here. When he was with the, with the Broncos, that dude should have just stayed his entire career as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, for the I don't I, honestly, I don't know why the Raiders hired him because that team looks even worse. Like they're scoring points, but they look worse than the Broncos, which is, which is really really sad. Say, that, that's impressive. <laughs> Like, there, it's really sad. But By the way, um, it seems like we might be kind of wrapping up here, but for anyone who's listening back on this, you probably know the result of this, but Bryce Young got hurt and is out of this game in the second quarter here against Arkansas. So. But they're already up 21 nothing. So I mean, yeah. They, will it matter? They were already up 21 nothing, but, you know, it looks like Bama's playing with their backup quarterback here, who's probably <laughs> – Another five-star recruit. Yeah, he, he, they, this guy's going to, like, win the Heisman now too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Depending on what happens with this injury, obviously it's a little too early to know now. Bama might be vulnerable this year. We'll see. And like I said, over the next two weeks, so this game and the next two weeks, they're playing top 25 ranked opponents. So if they're playing with their backup quarterback against top 25 teams, we could see maybe potentially an Alabama loss here in the next two or three Gosh, weeks. Dude. Uh, we need them to have two losses, though, to guarantee them not yeah, in the Yeah, I was going to say, it, Bama's one of those teams, they have to lose twice for them to be guaranteed to not be in the playoff. Because if they just lose once... They're probably still going to win the SEC championship and be in the playoff. So, so it looks like a shoulder injury for uh, Bryce Young. But like, yeah. like Zach said, you know, by the time you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, it was a shoulder injury, you dumbass. Yeah, they'll, everyone will know because you'll be listening to this in the future. But you'll <laughs> have the benefit of hindsight. But uh, yeah, you know, go school Buffs, go Mountaineers, go Aggies, go Broncos. Melvin Gordon, please be on the inactive roster. <laughs> go Broncos. So yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Yep. Um, I was going to say this was going to be a much shorter episode than last week, but it's actually not much shorter than the like hour and 45 minutes we did talking about World War II. You and me can rant about just, football. I was going to say, I, I could keep going. Yeah, like, there's so yeah. much more to touch on, but it's one of those, like, how much do you want to just keep hitting different topics yeah. when they kind of all relate back to one? Right, right. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed the football talk. Um, hopefully, everyone's enjoying the college and the NFL seasons. Hopefully, hopefully your team your, wins unless they're playing the Broncos. Yeah, hopefully your fantasy leagues are doing good. Um, best of luck and all that. I am three and zero and one and two between my two leagues. I think right now. So I'm one and two and two and one. Not bad. Not bad. But it's it early until the playoffs. It's early. Yeah. Playoffs. But yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, hopefully, we'll get another episode up within the next week or two, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Chat at you later. See ya. Bye.